Hello, I'm Beck Hill, comedian and person who does many other things. And I'm Matt Parker, friend of Beck. <laughs> and mathematician. And mathematician. And stand-up. And I do many other things. Yeah. Yeah, we both do many things. Too many things. Good for us. And amongst them is this podcast, A Problem Squared, where we solve each other's problems and some of yours. And we're on our second episode now. Yeah, hello. very exciting. Yay. Which means we've got updates. Yes. On old problems. Yes. Give us an update from the last episode, Matt. Someone embroidered their Mondo Point shoe size on their shoe. That is incredible. It's amazing. Yeah. So uh, someone did it. And I, actually, I think maybe one or two people did it. But the first one they got to me was a guy called Alex from Wiltshire. And they've embroidered. It looks like 2B. I'm pretty sure it's meant to be 28. Yeah. Yeah, because pretty sure 2B is not a Mondo Point size, no. but a pencil measurement. Correct. <laughs> Maybe somewhere there's a pencil with a Mondo point on it. And, uh, and they only did one dimension, not the two that we asked for, and they spelled Mondo point wrong. <laughs> that is, do you, I don't know what you're expecting from our first episode, Matt, but, but the fact that we've already had, we've made someone embroider a number on their shoe in I, one we're episode. We're ahead of what I expected, if I'm being honest. So I'm like very Alex. excited. Alex from Wiltshire, I have posted them a book, as Beck generously promised them I would. Um, I was supposed to sign it, Matt. That oh, you're gonna, you were going to sign it. It's oh, all right, I already Alex. sent it to them. Sorry, I'm gonna, Alex. We'll, we'll, we'll meet Beck up will sign a sticker and we'll send it over afterwards. Yeah, or just bring the book to one of my bring shows and I'll sign it for you. At the, at the confusion of everyone else at the show who will be like, I didn't know she wrote a book about maths. Maths book, wow. wow. She does do a lot of other things. <laughs> uh, well, what else have you been up to? Oh, my goodness. It's been a busy December. Mm. Um, I was involved in the RI Christmas Lectures. Which, Which is the Royal Institute? Institution. Institu oh, I know they it's always one really or the really upset. Other. Yeah. They hate Institute. One of the highlights of my life, because I've helped out on these lectures previously, was when they had a link to Tim Peake, who was on the International Space Station, and they mm. were doing the lectures all on space. Kevin Fong was hosting them, and they were trying so hard to get this link up, and they finally got Tim Peake live from the International Space Station, and he said, hello, Royal Institute. And they, <laughs> oh, they were livid, but they could not use it. So, anyway, <laughs> but for the first time, well, not for the first time, for like the fourth time in the two centuries these lectures have been happening, it's on mathematics, which is very exciting. That is exciting. And uh, Dr. Hannah Fry, fantastic yes. uh, human and mass communicator. And friend. And friend was uh, doing the lectures, which is a big task, and she very kindly got me involved. And she um, generously had described me as co-host a couple of times when I'm doing roughly 5% of the work. I like that she called you a co-host, but I've seen the picture of what you had to wear in it. I was sending you photos because I got dressed up as a robot at one yeah, point. which is very Beck brand. It was very on brand for yeah, Beck. Uh, yeah. I felt a little bad wandering onto your You were one fringe away from infringing on my copyright. I really was. <laughs> the fact that they made me wear a like a colander hat as part of the... Did I send you the photo of yeah, the, the hat? Yeah, and that's, that's what I just do on the weekends. <laughs> exactly. And at one point, I got... I mean, what's the correct terminology? Slimed? Gunged? Yeah, both. Both? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had slime dumped over me for important education. Because they're kids, they're children's lectures, right? Yeah. And um, so I was way out of my comfort zone. Like, they're <laughs> definitely in Beck territory. It's the first mass lecture I've ever been involved with where I had to have a shower halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because normally I need a shower because maths makes me feel End dirty. End of story. Um, yeah, but but you you've. When do they go to air as well? They will be airing as people are listening to this. They're on iPlayer for a month and then they'll be on YouTube. 
They will be on the Royal Institution or the Royal Institute uh, YouTube channel as of, I guess, late, late January. I'm going to start a company called the Royal Institute. <laughs> and it's just where we do lectures about farts. Speaking of which, you've done uh, more prestigious television than the Royal Institution Christmas Lecture. I don't know. If, well, it depends what people like. By the time this goes out, hopefully um, people would have seen that on Christmas Eve, I'm going to be on the Jonathan Ross show doing a brand new flip chart that I made it specifically for the show. The best part was I got to draw a picture of David Tennant, uh, and which he then saw in the... And was photographed with. And was photographed with. He's really nice. You were very excited. I was very excited. I had the best 2009 versus 2019 picture. I don't know if you saw this. I did not. So in 2009, I came in possession of, and you've seen this. Because you still own it. I still own it. A life-sized cardboard cutout of David Tennant. It's still in your kitchen. Yep. Uh, It's actually moved flats with us. So it came with us um, when we moved. And... Uh, so that in 2009, I bought that around Christmas time and had a photo of me with it. And then cut to decade later, uh, is a picture of me with the actual David Tennant at Christmas time. So that's that amazing. My, yeah, that's my 10 year difference photo. I can't beat that. I wore funny shoes. I can't, I can't compete. <laughs> but we'll put these photos up on the Instagram. That's another update. We've got a Problem Squared Instagram page. So we're putting up pictures and infographs and anything that we've used in our research to answer the problems, anything that's sort of vaguely linked to what we've talked about. So we'll put pictures. I'll put a picture up that Matt sent me of him in a robot costume. He can't stop me. He doesn't know how to use Instagram. I don't. It's so true. Uh, and, uh, And we'll put up other stuff that we've been up to. And hopefully there'll be some clips and stuff in case anyone missed Jonathan Ross or is from International Waters. You can uh, probably watch it on my Facebook page or something. We received a problem on Beck's Facebook page when you mentioned A Problem Squared, the podcast you're listening to right now. And Chris Patterson has a problem. How much pizza is too much pizza? It's such a good problem. It's a great problem to have. Yeah, yeah. Are they ordering pizza? Have um, they come into possession of a lot of pizza? I know there is no there's so what I've had to do is narrow down what I think this problem pertains to. Yep. Otherwise this would just become an entire podcast about trying a pizza to work squared. out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it would be a pizza squared, which is um what is a pizza squared if it's a circle? It's a surface area, I guess. There we go. Um so I what I've done is I've decided that we're going from consumption of pizza Rather than so just, no other uses of pizza. Well, you know, if people want to specify that as a problem for future episodes, they can. And we'll delve deeper into the, the dish of this. <laughs> so I've decided that it's about how much pizza is too much pizza to eat, just right. to, to refine sense. it down. So um, first of all, I looked at uh, stomach capacity. So oh, yeah. what, what, how much can an average human stomach hold? Because my first thought was, what's the upper bound? Right. Which is like, well, I've got because average. in maths, you'll often go like, well, you go, what is a ridiculous answer? Which is obviously wrong, but it's a, it's at least, it can't be bigger than that. So yeah. like, for example, a million pizzas. I mean, correct. Exactly. And or, then you work your way down. And then I was like, but wait a minute, it's got to be less than your body weight. But also, in pizzas. how big are the pizzas? Because a million tiny pizzas, oh. I mean, that's still a lot of pizza. Well, they're using but... pizza. How much pizza? Not how many pizzas. 
So how I would much say pizza? how much pizza. The pizza is, is is like the volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a non-discrete quantity. It's just what's the mass pizza? Yeah, yeah. pizza in general. So, uh, so on average, human stomach holds a liter. Right. Okay. On average, um, and uh, so I, I I thought I would try and find just to make this easier on myself to decide what our measurement for pizza is. I've gone with a Domino's classic crust cheese pizza, a large, which is with a large. Uh, Domino's Pizza, and I think it's the same for Pizza Hut. There are other commercial varieties other available. available. Uh, a large is 10 slices, which it's 14 inches, 10 slices. 10 slices? Yes, exactly, which means that when you cut it, you cut it down half, but then you sort of then do you it at go an angle. Yeah, I was about to say. Cause... Which is why I think when you get a pizza that's cut all out of shape, it's because that's not Someone's a learning yeah. how to I, gauge. I used to work for Pizza Hut when I was a kid. And like a like a teenager, not yep. <laughs> like child labor, and um and so we had the big cutting machine, but like we I we just did twelve inch pizzas. That was the largest that we did. So there were eight slices. Could so you'd have to nice cut it in half, and then you'd have to eyeball seventy two degrees mm. around from that first cut, because ninety would be easy at right angles. Yeah, boom, yeah. done. But seven, yeah, I guess it's trial and error. Mm. You get so, a knack for it. So that was the first interesting thing that I was like, oh, what a... But then I realized, yeah, that, that, that's right. Um, well, that means we've got a unit of pizza is the Domino's cheese pizza. Yeah, so I've got a large Domino's. a Desi pizza is a slice. Yes, yeah. Uh, and also the reason that this helped is because a large uh, classic crust Domino's cheese pizza is uh, roughly 968 grams. I'm going to round up to 1,000 grams. So that's about a liter. If you were converting it into... What's the density of pizza? I don't know. Because (laughs) if... Why would you ask me this? Because... I'm just trying to solve a problem easily. No, I like it because you've rounded up your pizza to a kilogram Mm. and a kilogram of water is exactly a a litre. And if pizza's more dense than water, it'll take up less than a litre. If it's less dense than water, it'll take up... More than a liter. Blood is thicker than water, but not thicker than pizza. Pizza. That's where the saying. That's, the that's where saying. the phrase comes from. Yeah. But I'm I'm prepared to accept. I mean, pizza. I'd really appreciate if you stopped throwing spanners into the work <laughs> that is my working out. <laughs> one pizza is a liter. Let's say one pizza is I'm, a liter. I, you know, I'm genuinely happy with that. What we should have done is got a blender. I mean, we can still do that. Maybe in another episode. Maybe if someone poses okay. the problem that they found a problem with my answer to this problem. I am happy with the assumption that one pizza. <laughs> Is one liter. All right. My hypothesis was that that means that one large pizza is roughly when people start to feel a bit sick. Like that yeah. would be your sort of maximum yeah. average limit. Now, this is where it starts to get interesting. Competitive eaters, also known as gurgitators. Gurgitators? Yeah, because they're not. They're not regurging. No, they're, they're just, just gurging. gurging. <laughs> and um, they're not masticating. They're just gurging. Just gurging. They can stretch their stomachs to about to the capacity of about four liters or more. See, this is the upper bound I wanted. That's the upper bound you wanted. And uh, they do it through years of training. So they stretch out their stomachs, usually by eating um, obviously higher and higher amounts of food, but they tend to go for low calorie foods so that they're not like killing themselves. But it just means that when they get to those eating competitions, then their stomach can move to There's an incredible wow. video on ESPN because clearly it's about sport and um, competitive. It's competitive. And um, and, and basically they, training. They, uh, they attach a 
condom to a tube in a and like a plastic anatomy of a person and then they basically get a stick and shove 69 hot dogs down its gullet because that was the record That's the, at the record time. to show what that would and, look like um, and it's horrific it's <sighs> so awful it goes like the stomach ends up looking like it's pregnant pushes all the organs out it's um it's crazy and that theoretically that means that if you were trained you could potentially eat up to four large pizzas before feeling ill it had never crossed my mind that people have to train for competitive eating to expand their stomach it's crazy world isn't it uh this is when you reach maximum stomach capacity several things tend to happen one the expanded stomach puts pressure on the surrounding organs so you can see that in that video and yeah uh obviously causing discomfort and in some cases slightly restricted breathing because it's like the lungs are being compressed yeah yep uh two your stomach produces excess acid to try and digest the food which usually results in heartburn Three, you eject the excess food through vomiting. That but, yep, yep, the once re. you reach overcapacity. Yep. Uh, and uh, four, any unvomited food takes too long to digest, so the undigested food is not converted into energy but stored as fat. So that's where you start to get into danger zone. If any one of those things happened, I would say that's a marker of too much pizza. Yeah, I would say like so. Like if I couldn't breathe properly, I've had too much pizza. Yes, Exactly. So I had a really interesting chat with Kwame Asante, who's a comedian and doctor. And uh, I asked him this question, how much pizza is too much pizza? We also decided that this was based on one sitting. And the reason we decided on that is because he said, um, first of all, with one sitting, your body will tell you how much pizza is too much pizza. As soon as you hit that capacity, it will expel everything or just you you just can't. You you can't do anything. So... um, uh, that's your body. He said the problem with uh, one sitting versus just over life is that your body will tell you in one sitting when you've had too much pizza, your body won't give you a warning. Long if, term. Long term. So obviously if you eat too much pizza but you're not doing anything to get rid of that excess energy, then eventually your body will just shut down and you'll die. And that is the sign of too much pizza but you won't get the warning that you were probably... Because your stomach's got a short memory. Next day, it's like, yep, ready to yeah. go again. Your stomach doesn't really, like your stomach trusts your brain. Ah. So it's like, oh, you're prob- you probably know what you're putting in. But the in brain's me. also thinking, well, stomach says it's hungry. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing, isn't it? Because it still goes back to our basic instincts, which is uh, you never know where or when the next meal will happen. So get them calories in. Get them in because it might be a long winter and you'll have to survive off of that fat that you've stored on you. But if... When we don't have to worry about that, then, um, yeah, then it becomes an issue. Um, now we get to the fun parts. Uh, the most amount of pizza eaten in 10 minutes was 19.25 nine-inch pizzas. Cheese pizzas. Nine, I think I was going to say slices. No, nine-inch pizzas. So this no. is where we get your maths head involved, Matt. Is this why I got a text saying if I had 19 pizzas that are nine inches each? Yes, this is exactly. <laughs> well, I think that wasn't the question, how do I divide circles into other circles? Yes, because I then rang you up and I said, look, follow-on question. Do you care if you're cutting out circle shapes? Like, do you have to fit the circles inside mm. the bigger circle? Or do you just want it to be the same amount of area once you're done? Yeah. And I was very relieved when you said it was the latter. Yes. And I was like, fuel, because the latter is trivial, whereas the, the first one, fitting the circles in, 
Uh, one of the hardest problems in maths is <laughs> stacking shapes and side shapes is insanely difficult. Can you imagine if how much pizza is too much pizza ends up being the most difficult the most difficult mass problem? problem. It, it, it was very <laughs> close to being that. Thank yeah, because shape packing shapes very complicated. Mm. Converting between areas, gotcha. So with that in mind, um, can you help me out with yes. this? Yes. So what we've got to do I'm is... I'm allowed I'm, to interrupt with a spanner yes, again. Yes, please. So I'm trying to work out um, how many nine-inch pizzas uh, can be converted. See, I can't even ask the question. That's how much I'm not used to it. So what is 19.25 nine-inch pizzas put into 14-inch pizzas? So you're going from nine to 14. Yes. Okay. So I guess all pizzas are defined by some measurement. In this case, it's the diameter across the pizza. Mm-hmm. Because you're caring about area, all you've got to do is divide one by the other and then square the answer. That's okay. Cool. So in this case, um, so actually I've just opened up um, Excel here because I like to use an overpowered <laughs> calculation device. I'm doing 9 divided by 14. It's about 0.64-ish. Mm-hmm. And then I'm squaring that. And that will give you the ratio of the area between the two. It's about 0.413-ish. So if I multiply your 19.25. So does that mean if that is how much of a large pizza a nine-inch pizza Correct. is? Correct. Okay, yeah, cool. you got it. Yeah, I got yeah. it. I got it. So a nine-inch pizza is 0.413 or 41.3% of a large 14-inch pizza. So what he's doing is he's, only, he's eating less than half a large pizza. Less so than, I know, that, it's not that impressive. Not that impressive. He only eats a total of so 7 times point, by 19.25. Done that. The yeah. 0.25 is there. Cool. 7.955 large pizzas. Right, so almost eight Just large pizzas. shy. In fact, you know what? If they had made it to the full 20, which I can only assume they were attempting to do, they would have been at eight and a quarter. So let's um, sit on eight, pizzas, shall we? But they came in just shy. If they had, um, I could have worked this out properly. Now, if they'd eaten 19.4, they would have got to eight large pizzas. There you go. They quit 19.25. Fun bonus fact. That thing, if you divide the two measurements and then square it to get the ratio to convert between pizzas, works for any shaped pizza. So if they were rectangle pizzas and you just measured the same side on both, or they were triangular pizzas, or they were any any crazy shaped pizza, that because area is just the square of length, that conversion What works. about a calzone? And which calzone. Is, which is a pizza but folded in half. Oh, that's now volume. You'd have to cube. the. You take the <laughs> lengths and then divide them and cube it. Amazing. The guy who uh, ate nearly eight large pizzas is uh, a fellow called... Uh, Jeff Esper. This was in 2018 as well, so quite a recent, quite a recent one. Oh, I actually did ask this question on Twitter as well. Oh yeah. I asked my followers on Twitter with a poll: How much pizza can they eat? Assuming uh, it's a large 14-inch pizza, how much can they eat Standard before pizza. they start to feel sick? Uh, I gave the options of uh, up to half pizza, uh, up to one pizza, up to two pizzas. And then two or more, please provide more details. No one can eat two or more. Uh, I did have a couple who said that they could. No. One One guy said he's never felt sick from eating too much. That's not true. He, he swears by it. And then I said, when do you stop? And he said, when the food runs out. Wow. Just for a lack of pizza. Yeah. So I kind of feel like... He's going to go into training. Yeah. Get those numbers up. Keep, he can become a professional gurgitator. Yeah. So do you want to guess what the, what the most... Two thirds of a pizza. On average. 
I mean, I didn't go that specific. I'm oh, just sorry. going by who half, clicked half the thing. Half, one, no one can eat more than one pizza. So you're going between one. Without feeling happy with yourself. Mm. If I eat a whole pizza and I look down and there's no slices left, I feel bad. Yeah. If there's a slice or more, I'm okay. So 54% of people who answered the poll said they can eat up to one whole pizza before they feel sick. And I thought we should test that. So uh, what I did uh, just before we started recording is I placed an order for three large... I'm including our producer in this. Emma's going to get a pizza as well. Emma's going to get a whole pizza. I put an order for three large cheese classic crust Did you ring up? I'd like three standard units of pizza, please. Yes, yep. (laughs) Uh, Which we're going to go and collect now. Come back here. Yeah, let's do it. And see if we can eat a whole pizza without feeling sick. There is no end to this solution to the problem. All right. So we've just had our pizza. We've eaten pizza. I've eaten slightly more than enough pizza. I, yes. I too have eaten too much pizza. How much pizza did you? I managed to get through. Because I uh, left the room as you were finishing. I went to make coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, got to seven and a half slices. Seven and a half slices. Yeah. I did seven. I did a flat seven. But we discussed this. I've not eaten anything today. That's a good point. And you've had a music bar. And I've probably been up earlier than you as well. So I've been waiting longer. Mm. You've accumulated more hunger. Yes, that's how it works. And we had some discussion early on as to how big the slices were because they were not consistently cut. No, no. No, the um, I took a photo, took an over over the head shot of my pizza, and the center of the cuts is clearly not the center of that disc. It's Mm. off to one side. We'll put that on Instagram for people (laughs) to that would be pretty exciting. Oh, did you get that? Did that was just... my tummy that just went. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of that for the rest of the podcast. Man, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Can you do that on command? Oh, getting the reflux. <laughs> I did actually, while um, you stepped out to get some water and whatnot, I uh, looked up signs of overeating. Uh, and um, it's all the symptoms that we described. So we've definitely had too much. We've hit the limit. We've had too much pizza. Yeah. So too much pizza is somewhere between three quarters of a pizza and a pizza in a sitting. For, for us, for yes. us, yeah, yeah. I, 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 do you know what? Go out and do your own experiments. Yeah, but I think within you know, for quite a vague sentence, how much pizza is too much pizza? That back is a problem solved. Ding. We have a Patreon for a problem squared. Yes, we do. And the nice thing about that is we will prioritize problems from our patrons. Oh, absolutely! You can pay to work your way up the problem queue. No, no problems there. No, that's right. So uh, this one comes from our patron, Alex Brown. One of 17. 17 patrons. I was going to say one of 17 Alex Browns. I, no, was like, I love there's that a, you way, know way how more, many. Way more Alex there's Browns. There's got to be more. Sorry, Alex. Not to say I mean, I have unique. a super generic name, so it's fine. That's true. I don't. Mine's awesome. So uh, Alex Brown has the problem, which is, what is the mathematically optimal way to store shirts in terms of volume used? Folded, rolled, hung up, or some other method. It's a comprehensive problem. Yeah, it's a proper problem. They've defined the problem and some of the terms. They've offered some solutions. You said they've defined it. They haven't specifically said what type of shirts. That is our first problem. And given that... Because everyone knows that if it's a business shirt, you hang it up. You hang it up. And that's why I think it must be t-shirts. Because if the first option's folded, followed by rolled, and hung up is only coming in third, it's got to be t-shirts. So... I guess the question is, if you're going to put a bunch of shirts away and you want to minimize the volume they take up, in theory, it shouldn't make a difference, should it? Because it's the same amount of T-shirt. Can I ask just quickly, yeah. how do you, but prior to this problem coming in, 
How do you store your shirts? I fold them. Interesting. In a stack. Mm. Mm. It's not great. I uh, I hang mine. You hang yours? Yeah. I dream of a world where I hang mine. That would be <laughs> my ideal harsh. solution. It's for hangers, mate. <laughs> no, it's for hanging space that's required. Yeah, the strip my cupboard is like packed, absolutely rammed. I was about to say I've not been allocated a lot of space. But they're but in colour order. They're in colour Oh, that's tempting. Anyway, okay, right. Sorry, I do want to discuss all these things, but we need to do an experiment. So I thought I want to get that going. So you brought pizza to the party, I did, which is yeah. great. I have brought a lot of t-shirts. Yeah, t-shirt party. So I just went and grabbed as many clean t-shirts as I could find at home, and mm-hmm. I've brought a box. So what I thought I would do, Beck, if I give you this massive stack of t-shirts here, yeah. I'm and gonna, what I should point out for the listeners the table is that the amount of t-shirts that Matt has brought. Is much bigger than the box. How? Yeah, what's the yeah. capacity of this box, Matthew? Well, oh, let's just have a look. Matthew, at it. I just went very Matthew, specific. Nine liters, nine liter box. All right, and so what we got to check Rebecca. is uh, if you were to blend t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, yeah. Well, this is it, right? What's if, the density of a t-shirt? Is it equal to water? So the question is, like, because the volume of the t-shirt is not going to change. It's uh, how much empty space is there going to be when you put them in mm. the box? So what I got a box. What size are your t-shirts, by the way? They are all either large or extra large. Okay. You hang yours, right? So yeah. This is so all, I, I would know. Do you know what I would do what when would, I'm packing what would you to do? go away? Yeah. I uh, keep my clothes on the hangers and I no. take them off and then I roll. I roll them with a the hanger at the center. So no, dresses, you don't. t-shirts, and stuff. I'll do them with a the hanger go. in there. So I'll lay all the dresses and t-shirts. All, all, so the hangers with all stacked. the hangers then I'll roll them up in a big thing and then just stick them in my no in that's incredible which means that when I come out the other end I just unroll it and hang them that's all up that's amazing and it's done it's like so inefficient well for space for space yes but if you've but got the space amazing no and I'm I'm definitely going to do that next yeah. time <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I guess the question, it, it, it's ambiguous if this is storing them at home or if it's um, packing them to take away with you. Oh, you've gone I've for gone a very for tight a roll. roll. Yeah. For a tight, you know where this comes from? Camping. Do you roll and Because you know what? I do roll when I pack a suitcase. Uh, no, no, no. For um, sleeping bags. Oh. And like when you're rolling up an air mattress and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so usually, you've gone for that style of roll. Oh, and you're that. putting it in vertically. Yeah, so that you can see them. That's so you know great. what colours you're looking at. It's like a time capsule now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm going to leave you to the t-shirts over there. The problem, as stated, only has one measure of success, a sole criterion, which is um, volume used. They've even specified in terms of volume used. I don't think that's enough because I think the issue when you put clothes away... These t-shirts are so is nerdy. How? Please, please refrain from judging my t-shirts I'm, as you are putting them away. I'm not, that's that not another a judgment, that's a fact. <laughs> it is a fact. <laughs> the thing is, like, I don't think it's just volume when you're storing. I think it's ease of access. Yeah. And the problem I have is, which I realized just getting these t-shirts out today, I will neglect t-shirts for long periods of time. Like I was pulling some out going, man, I haven't worn that in ages. And that's a really good t-shirt. I just forgot I had that or I couldn't find it. And so I want a system in a perfect world where it's a last in first out storage system. So for every new T-shirt you get, you give out away an old one? Well, no, no, no. So whenever you go to get a T-shirt out, the first one that comes out is the last one that had gone in of all the ones available. Oh, so they get proper rotated. Yep. At the moment, I'm running a first-in, first-out system. You know, I've I've got that with my coat hangers as well. Well, th- th- now this you is know why. About this, I'm, don't you? Do you put them in at one end and take them out at the other? No. No. I, once a year, 
I put, uh, I turn all of my coat hangers to face the other way so that they're at an awkward, you know, where they're facing yeah, towards facing, you. Yeah. So it's harder to get them so out. So you've got to move them into the wardrobe to get them out of the wardrobe. That's right. Got it. And then after I've worn something and it's been washed and goes back in, it goes you back the it. normal way. Yeah. And that means after a year, I can see what I've worn in a year and what I haven't and then decide what needs to go. That's an amazing system. It also means that as you get towards the end of the year, you're like, but I don't want to give away that. So you got to wear, so wear it. Yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking what I would do is have a system where I put all the t-shirts in one end of the hanging space mm. and then I take them from the other so they naturally work their way along. But obviously, occasionally you'll pull one out from the middle or you'll, you'll ruin the system. So if anything gets to the front and sits there for... A month or goes on fire. or twenty t-shirt wears. Yeah, you yeah. set it on fire. Yeah, and so so. But I, you're you're flipping the coat hangers as a marker is very nice. Mm. You could I could reckon I could I could roll that into my system as well. So. We should have just got questions about coat hangers and you'd be I grand. Know. Instead um, of so I, I this is just a trick you've had to have me fold up. Fold up. You're doing a great job. Uh, so I would if I, I was going to roll like like we're doing at the. Do you want a hand rolling? You're being more meticulous than I expected, which is great. Well, because I want to try and fit them all in. Actually, I've discussed this before um, at a Radio 4 series called Domestic Science. Oh, well, then why are we bothering? No, no. Everyone I no, switch off right now. I pitched the other one. that you should have, uh, you should cut a hole at the back of one of your drawers. And then you put the rolled T-shirts in the front. And <laughs> Hang as on. They, I've known this one. Is this like the cinema popcorn Trick. No, it is very, very different trick, Beck. So uh, you, you invite someone to get a t-shirt. Yeah, this is someone's hand. So the hole at the back of the drawer. As you put the shirts in one drawer, they get gradually pushed to the back. They fall down the hole, and then they get gradually pushed to the front of the drawer underneath. So you oh, like put a them penny pusher. In, yeah, like a penny pusher. That's a much better analogy. Can you please for this family-friendly podcast t-shirt machine? Deal. Well, that's just it, right? But it, it, it's so impractical, which is why I was very happy to revisit this. It does. It doesn't work. You, you can't. I don't. You, I want a more practical solution to have a um, last in, first out procedure. Um, our lovely producer Emma has raised her hand. I think the last in, first out is yeah. the wrong way round. I think. Oh, I want first in, first out. You want first in. First out again, because last in, first nope, out is you, like... The you are m- absolutely right. I've mixed them up. I want first in, first out. So it's the one that was in the longest time ago. Yes. Is then the next one out. Whereas last in, first out doing. is what I'm doing. Yes. No, you're right. Thank you very much. I that, didn't pick up on that that's because... That's we keep Emma around. As you know, I can't multitask. <laughs> so and you're yet, rolling. You've asked me to do something while you explain stuff to me. And um, you didn't pick up on that. No, you're absolutely right. So I want the oldest thing. So use this for stock rotation. So if you've got stock in a supermarket, you want people to be taking the stuff that's been there for the longest. And they do it by putting new stock at the back. But people know that. So people reach right to the back to try and get the, the newer stock. Yeah. And you I get did, it in, I'm that guy. You are that guy. I never go for the first one. You're right at the back. Do you read the dates to find the Uh, the oldest expiry? You do. Yeah, yeah. I see what what goes out, what goes off. The only time I do it is if I want something, I don't trust those open fridges. I want something at the back that's cold. So I will will go on an expedition to the back of the fridge in that scenario. Um, I feel like you've filled this box now. Yeah, it's pretty I think we would struggle to get the lid on. I so, think if you were going to make a system, yep. it would need to be, uh, t- talking about supermarkets, should use one of those thum things that they use for the money. Oh, like thum. the pneumatic tubes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thum. So you should, uh, what you do is you wash your shirt, yep. put it into the, roll it up, put it into the th- thum. tube, thum. 
And then it's at the back of the... And then when you want a t-shirt, press a button. It's back. Oldest one comes out. Love it. Great system. I feel it may have over-engineered the problem. Ding. No, there's not a ding. I'll do it. Hang on. I'll get it back. So how many many t-shirts did you end up in the box? I wasn't counting. No, well, we can go, let's count them out. You're the maths one. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Oh, well, I'm in charge of counting. One, two, three, I think it's 15. four, five, oh, he's six, seven, eight, nine. We've got to compare them to a different method now. Oh, 10, 11, 12, th- 15, 15. Yeah. What well, we if, should say that would have been hard to get the lid on because they, would, they came that, out over the top of the It box. would be 14 or 15. It would be hard to get that lid on. You're right. Shall we try folding them? I say we. Would you like to try folding them? Um, the only problem with the way that we're doing this yep. is because they're stacked, you mm-hmm. cannot see what choice you have in T-shirts. Now, the reason I fold and stack at home is because if you look at it from the end on, I always fold them in the right way, so not inside out. And I fold them like you're doing, so the middle of the design is on the fold here. Mm. So when you're looking end on to this to the stack of T-shirts, you can see is little, that little a drawer, fragments though, of all or the design. A shelf? That's a shelf. So I fold and shelf my t-shirts oh we've just undone this but whole I've, thing. I've run out of shelf space at home so there's now an overflow drawer and which is where i got all these t-shirts from today which is why it's a combination of ones i don't wear and ones i'd forgotten i owned okay i think beck's got the last is it the last t-shirt in do you reckon i think i think that's about it okay so we got 15 in when they were rolled how many have we got now they're folded four five six on this side and six on this That's side. So 12. 12. So the answers in rolling will fit more t-shirts in. If you ignore the lid. <laughs> That's true. There's some lid issues, but with a drawer, you kind of mm. you shove it back. And what if we just scrunched them up and crammed them in there? Would that make a difference? There's only like, one way to find I out. I feel like the control has to be just scrunched up t-shirts. All right. Because part of me is like, <laughs> Two, it's disorganized. Three, but part four. of me is like, five. <laughs> Six. Seven. Oh, this is way worse. Eight. Nine. It's already quite full, it's already isn't it? full. Nine. Yep. No. No. Ten. Nowhere near. Nowhere near. There's some space, but I think we would... Do you know what? We'd struggle to get another five in there. I no reckon way. if you did it, got a vacuum pack, ah, you'd be all right. That's true. But, that, but that, then it'd be an awkward shape. It's a trade-off for accessibility of the T-shirts. Yeah. To Unless you live in a vacuum. Up. That's true. And if they were frictionless spherical shirts, they would actually they'd be worse for stacking. Can you get want, creases in space? You'd want frictionless cuboid shirts. Can you get what? Creases. Creases in space. Like in, do you have to worry in about space no one can lining crease. <laughs> I don't Okay, look, what I'm trying to say is here, right? Alex just said what is the optimal way to store shirts in terms of volume used? Folded, rolled up, hung up, or some other method. We've ignored hung up. Because it's Correct, because that's the winner. And However, it is, I think, hung up wins for our first in, first out um, policy. Mm-hmm. However, we've tested it in a box. And Alex, we can tell you, you want to roll those T-shirts mm-hmm. if you want to fit as many in as possible. Problem solved. Hey. Ding. I have a problem for you, Beck. Go on. Excellent. Uh, I am traveling to the US not long after this recording. Ah. Oh. That is a problem. It is a problem. You know, I'm just a little humble brag there. I've got to go travel around the US. It's not so bad because I do have a bit of downtime, but m- my problem is jet lag. And you'd think, mm. like for both of us, we routinely 
go between here and Australia. Mm -hmm. We should make it very clear. There was some confusion from the first episode. <laughs> we both have Australian accents to yes. some extent. Yeah. But we both live in the UK. Yes. Which is why we sound Australian, but we were talking about pounds and being in England. That's true, yeah. And, and it was apparently that was mildly confusing. It's not like an adorable quirk of the it's not like with the mighty boosh where they do everything in Euros. Exactly. Just no. Because they're like, oh we're wacky. <laughs> yeah. So we sound Australian, but we live in England mm. and we both routinely have to travel from here to Australia. And I have never really mastered the knack of jet lag. And so oh, I'm really good at jet lag. It's a well. <laughs> so that, that's my problem. You know, it can. Have you got a solution for jet lag? Because also, we're being very uh, privileged here and not everyone listening will necessarily know what it's like. So, um, jet lag, uh, best I can describe is it's a lot like um, when you end up pulling an all nighter, either for work yeah. or partying or whatever. Um, a friend of mine ended up going to shift work for a while where she was having to work on LA time for her job. Yep. So she was working from 11 p.m. till 7 a.m. And, and my wife Lucy's really done thrown her. shifts, which was working with the Japanese space agency, and she'd have to be on teleconferences during the night shift in mm. the UK. For, and so she was having jet lag just living at home. Yeah, and that's called shift worker syndrome. So oh. a lot of doctors get it, obviously nurses, anyone who's on call. Um, so it's the same thing though. And basically what it means is that, um, because your sleeping patterns are disrupted, it disrupts your circadian rhythm. And that basically just means you feel very out of whack because uh, everything sort of your hormones, you, um, uh, I wanted to say menopause, but that's not correct. M that's some pretty severe. Melatonin? Like. Melatonin. Yep. Yeah. So melatonin is the, is, um. Because you can buy melatonin. You can. And I've tried it. I've tried um, it once. I think it sometimes makes me feel sleepy if I take it mm -hmm. sort of an hour or two before I want to go to bed. So sometimes it's helpful, but it doesn't necessarily solve the jet lag. It just sort of helps if you're having trouble getting to sleep. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm more awake when I wake up the next day. Because jet lag for me just feels very foggy. I feel like I'm looking at everything through a haze. Yes. Yeah. It's like having a hangover. And in fact, a hangover and jet lag are very, very similar because um, a lot of them come, they're made worse by dehydration. So a lot of it is that you're not hydrating yourself properly um, and uh, and obviously not sleeping properly. And if you've drunk a lot, stayed out late, then... It's in the deal. Yeah. Just feels like the problem is if you're not sleeping properly and you're a bit dehydrated and you're changing time zones, your body's going to be in a bit of a state for a while. Yeah. So this is this is to, to help answer your problem of of jet lag what i thought we'd do because the nhs gives sort of similar answers to what others say which is you know get plenty of rest you know it try and start eating meals at the same times that you would yep, yep, in the location. Yeah, I, I try and follow i thought why don't you just go really hard on the things that make it worse so oh. dehydration is a big thing yep that leads to jet lag so don't just drink lots of water why not Take your clothes off in the little bathroom. Yep. Soak, soak them all in the sink. Oh, right. Put them back on. Nice and moist. Nice and moist. You'll stay nice and, you, and moist and for the rest of the ride. Not only will you be moist and your seat humid, so, several seats nearby will benefit from it. the humidity. No. What I think will happen is the people near you will not want to sit near you because you're so moist. That's how you get your flat Lying bed. down space. Lying down You've space. you thought this through. Bed. So that's how you get your sleep. Yep. And then- And you're moist. And you're moist. Those are the two major things, really. Yeah, we're, we're pretty much there. So I think you should do that. Deal. When you go to the US. I'll give it a go. 
That's, problem solved. I'm going to call this a problem delayed. I'll report back. We have a Patreon, We do. It? And thank you 17 people who now support us on Patreon. Yeah, which is really cool. Which is great. We've only got one episode before this. That's amazing. And uh, there are a few perks at the moment. You can get the podcast a couple of days early. And that's the end of the perks. Yes, we will. We'll <laughs> We're probably working, add some working more. on it. One of the perks at the moment is you get to help us decide what perks we should put on Patreon. That's true. So we want to hear from you what you want from us. And of course, we will be prioritizing problems from our patri- pa- patrons. Patreons. Patreons, yeah. One of our questions is already from one of our Patreon people. Yes. That was Alex. Thank you very much, Alex. But we also want to thank Daniel. David. Elias. Frank. Hamish. Hayden. Johannes. John. Justin. Levi. Lewis. Matthias. Matthias. Michael. Michael Hill. That's my brother. That's your brother. Oh, thanks, Mike. <laughs> your brother's giving us $5 a month. He's a dude. Good on him. As is Mike. Neil. Paul. Randall. And Richard. So, Thank wow. You. Thank you all very much, everybody. Yeah. Well, that's it for yeah. this month's episode. Episode 002 complete. For the record, I'd like to state that three slices of pizza have been next to me the entire time for the rest of the recording, and I have felt no urge whatsoever. Yeah, the idea of... Any, I don't want any pizza. No, me either. I have definitely had too much pizza. Mm, me too. What have we done? We've solved the problem of... How much pizza is too much pizza? The best way to store t-shirts. We had a good close look at jet lag. You've been listening to me, Beck Hill. And me, Matt Parker. Happy New Year! <laughs>